Good morning, Dayspring. I, uh, my name's Derek. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to everyone who has taken such good care of me. Uh, last week I had pneumonia. It was announced at the church that I had pneumonia. And then uh, Dayspring kicked into action. The Jewish penicillin, as they call it here, yeah, the chicken soup is running low in my house now. Uh, but it has seen us through the week. I just want to say thank you for your prayers and your, your concern and your care. Uh, I was really just overwhelmed by your loving kindness. If you didn't know about it, I still do enjoy chicken soup. Uh, appreciate you praying for me. We take the Word of God seriously at Dayspring. When the Word says you pray for the sick, then you pray for the sick, and we trust that healing will come. Um, we, we take the Word of God literal as well. And um, so when the Word of God says things like Romans 12, verse 12, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We, we take that seriously. We take prayer as a value. Uh, as you pray for the sick, as people prayed for me, and I'm doing much better, I'm, I'm breathing, and I'm not dead, which, which for me is a highlight. Uh, you know, for me to live is... Cr- you know, for me to live is Christ and die is gain, but I'm, I'm happy with it for me to live in Christ for this stage. Um, Colossians 4 verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So one of our values as a church is that we pray. Uh, we, as a Christian, you should value prayer. Prayer and the word, which is more important? What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Uh, prayer and word go hand in hand. So we, we've committed to being a church who's faithful in prayer, prophetic words spoken over this church that we need to be people in constant prayer. Now you pray at home and you pray to your family. I trust you do that. But every Thursday we meet at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary and we pray. We pray for uh, various ministries. We pray for Springfield. We pray for the church. We pray for Sunday mornings. It's one of our values. I want to encourage you to attend Thursday evenings. It's for 45 minutes, and it's a great setup. The worship team practice for, practices from 6.45 with the atmosphere set for them, the atmosphere set for a Sunday morning. At the same time, we have a prayer meeting at 9.30 in the community center on a Sunday morning. So before the service starts, there are a whole lot of intercessors. They get together from 8.30. But you're invited to join us from 9.30 that we pray and seek God, that the reality of the word, that we rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, but that we are constant in prayer will become a reality in Dayspring Church. You don't need a word more than what I've given you now to attend the prayer meeting. Okay, God's word has said, go to prayer. We've said, we have a venue. We've given you a time. You're invited. God has spoken. And it's wonderful. It doesn't say constantly steadfast in prayer when you feel like it. Uh, It's not ice cream. Ice cream, we always feel like. Sometimes we don't feel like it but we do it anyway because we are maturing in Christ. And I'm not going to say to you if you don't attend prayer that you're not mature. I'll allow you to settle that for yourself. And then 
We always used to have ascend evenings once a month where it was worship and prayer. So while we're making a focus on prayer on every Thursday evening, we will still be having a committed time of worship. Dates will be made available, but it'll be on a Friday evening where it'll be a night of just worship, a night just pressing in, celebrating our King. So this house is committed to worship. This house is committed to prayer. This house is committed to the Word of God. And then we're also committed to whatever the Word tells us that we live out according to the grace that's on our life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, I know you might be thinking, when is he going to start with his preach? This is it. This is the preach. It's the call to arms. It's the call to take the word of God literal. It's the call to do what he's called us to do. We speak, I, I listen to people speak about, well, we trust him for the billion soul harvest. Who's going to get them? Who must do the work? Them, they, those, us, me, we. We're not waiting for someone to come and save us. Jesus has done that. Anyway, I'll, uh, when we read the Bible, do we take it literal? Uh, do we, we read the Bible and we get excited over things? I, uh, I had an incredible mentor and he taught me, he said, when you read the Bible, you need to get stuck on every word. And uh, you have to look at every word and go, what is this saying to us? What does this mean? If it's just, when he's speaking about prayer, then we, obviously we understand what it's saying. But when the Word of God uses references and numbers, we need to get st- stuck on numbers. And it's not about numerology. It's looking, what is God saying when it mentions a number? When it speaks in Scripture about these two tablets that Moses had, and on each tablet there were these five statements, one, one being about how we're supposed to re- respond towards God, and the other one, how we're, we're supposed to respond towards man. It's these multiples of five. When, when, in Scripture, when it speaks of five, it's speaking about grace. When it speaks about, when it references five, you can see uh, that the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was five by five cubits. There's something about the number five being a number of grace. When we read a number in Scripture, we need to stop. When it mentions 40, it, 40 represents a time of testing and a time of trial. The Word of God is so powerful that every word is of incredible significance that when we read it, we need to stop and go, wow. This one mentor of mine, Dr. Michael Eaton, he, he did a whole chapter in one of his books on the word, therefore. It was brilliant. I read the chapter three times, not because I'm not good at reading, but it blew my mind how God has structured his word to speak to us so directly with such power. And in the Holy Spirit, the author is living in me and speaking to me and through me. The word of God should be something that we just dig into all the time. But I'm speaking to the converted, so I'm trusting that you do. The reason why I'm harping on five this morning is we're working through the book of Ephesians, and we get into Ephesians chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4 covers a doctrine known as the fivefold gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts. And the reason why I've spoken about five is five is the number of grace, five is the number where God speaks about something as this is a parameter where life will take place. The anointing oil was made with five ingredients. In the tabernacle, there were five sets of pillars and when the word speaks about these fivefold gifts, it's these five gifts that Jesus has given the church. It is not a leadership, it is not leadership structure at all. The leadership will have the gifts in them. Leadership structures, elders and deacons, 
overseeing apostolic team in the saints. And I've done leadership training and you can get the material. But this morning what I want to speak to you about is something that applies to every single person in this room. And often when we preach, we'll be preaching on something and it'll be on healing and you go, great teaching, I understand, but I'm not sick so healing doesn't apply to me. Or we'll do a teaching on perhaps an evangelist's heart. And you're going, that's great, but I'm not evangelist. This doesn't apply to me. What I'm speaking about this morning applies to every single person that's joined us online and every single person in this room. Because every one of you has a part of this gifting. You are not necessarily a fivefold gift. I'll explain it in detail. But what I'm going to speak about this morning, when we speak about the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, everyone in this room will have an inclination towards one of those gifts. You'll walk naturally. And I say naturally because it's a gift given by God. You will walk in one of these ministries. You'll walk in one of these gifts because it's for the sake of the body. I'm going to read Ephesians 4. I'll have it on the screen. Please read with me. This is a five-week sermon that I try to compress into one, but that we're going to do over two. So you've got to come back next week or the week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by the, every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This morning as I speak about the fivefold gift, I've heard people say this, well, I know this guy and he's a whole fivefold gift. No, only Jesus is the complete fivefold gift. Only Jesus. There is not a single person alive that carries the fivefold gift completely in every single area. I promise you that. Only Jesus does. I'm going to quickly give you the five examples in Scripture so we can settle this about Jesus. He's an apostle. Hebrews 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Jesus the prophet, Acts chapter 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, him you shall hear in all things. The evangelist, Luke 4, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Friends, the evangelist is this. I have good news, I'm going to share it. The evangelist is not a soap box that you're standing on shouting on the street corner. The evangelist says, I have the greatest news this planet has ever heard, and I feel compelled to share this with you in the most loving way. I'm going to speak it to my family. I'm going to share it with my children. I'm going to share it with everyone because I'm convinced that it's good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm going to, I'm going to say this really quickly. Too often apostles are seen as evangelists when in actual fact they're just apostles. And I'll tell you this. Because an apostle will establish culture the way it's supposed to be. And you know what? Evangelism is normal. You're all called to tell people about Jesus. You're all. 
not running around. You don't have to be crazy. And I know for some of you that comes naturally. But you have a story, you have a testimony, you have something that God has done for you that you can share organically. Do you know how easy it is to tell people about a good restaurant? We were taken to this restaurant recently. It's my new favorite restaurant. You go there, they have the most ridiculous breadsticks. And there's this unending soup. It's just, a, and I know I'm hopping on soup. You're going to think, man, this guy really likes soup. No, no, it's just, it's good. So when people say to me, have you heard of a good restaurant? I go, well, I don't want to embarrass you, and I don't want to force my opinion on you. I don't, I really, I want you to have a choice. I don't, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable thinking you've got to do what I've got to do. And so therefore, you know, you get, you get to make your own choice. So you can, now I go, have you heard of Olive Garden? <laughs> By the way, if you guys want to sponsor me in any way, um, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Don't worry. Think, oh, those South Africans. But when somebody says, you know, I cannot help myself like I just did with a bit of passion and enthusiasm to go, good food, good food, it's great, great service, pay through your nose, doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's what the gospel should be. By the way, that's what the prophetic should be as well. The prophetic should just be speaking about the love and the kindness of Jesus. It should be, I, I, I'm really, this, 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 this preacher is going to be all over the place with, with the fivefold gifts. Next week I'll draw defined lines and we'll work through it clearly. But friends, we have to get beyond ourselves when it comes to certain things in the body of Christ. Well, he's an, he's an apostle, so that's what he will do. No, if you're a businessman, if you have a business, if you're leading a business, if you're leading a team, there's an apostolic gifting on you to be able to pioneer and break ground. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is in me to accomplish what he's called me to. Is everyone called to be a CEO? No. Is everyone called to be a prophet? No. But is everyone called to live out a calling that is so incredible that God needs to assist us? Yes. When it speaks in Scripture about what we're called to, it's the fivefold gifts. It's the, uh, the easiest way to remember the, the five gifts is that we are the greatest pest when it comes to the enemy. So you can say this. I am a pest. I am a pest. A-P-E-S-T. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. <laughs> I'm the greatest pest when it comes to what the enemy has in store for this world. You know, we're into pest control. I'll deal with the demons as well. But when, when we're speaking about these gifts, you may not be apostolic. Apostolic is the person who defines culture and lines and parameters with an organization. And when it comes to a church, it means the sent ones. In the early church, they would send the apostles. They would go and define church culture because there was no church culture. What the apostle is called to do in modern church is not to rewrite scripture so that it suits us. It's to look at the word and go, this is the framework. What you'll always hear the apostle say is, hang on, there's a biblical model that I found. The apostle will always use scripture as the biblical model on that's how we do things. The apostolic will always go, well, I see 
uh, elders and deacons and saints and apostolic team. That's the biblical model for leadership. That's the apostolic gifting that I'd carry. And every gift has this incredible strength and a ridiculous weakness as well. It's called the wake. You know, you have the ship going through the waters. It's this beautiful still water. And as the ship goes through, there's this beautiful wave in front. There's this crest. And it's majestic. Then behind the ship is the wake. It's turbulence and it's chaos. And every gift, that's why only Jesus is the perfect fivefold gift. Every gift has something of a turbulence behind them. So I'm going to speak about myself this morning carrying an apostolic gifting and the turbulence I create. And I'm aware of it. And I'm okay with it. And you will be as well. <laughs> Maybe I should use the other gifts instead as an example. When you have an incredible evangelist, an evangelist will go and he will spread the gospel and he will teach things that do not exist in Scripture. They will tell stories and parables that don't exist. They will reference scripture that is not there, not heresy. But I've, I've, I've seen evangelists, they get up and they go, God is saying that he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and they read from the book of Revelation. And that's not what it says. It's Jesus speaking to the church and the evangelists will get up there and the gifting will carry over and people will give in their hearts to the Lord and it's incredible. And then the teacher in the room is sitting there going, oh no. Oh no, that's not what it says. No, you don't give your heart to Jesus. Your heart is drawn by the Father. That's wrong. It's not that they work against each other. It's that we need all five for the church to flourish. We need all five of the, in the church to function and in this beautiful harmony. So the way Scripture speaks about it, first the apostles and then the prophets, it's not that one is more important than the other. It's just the way that God rolls it out. When you want to plant a church, he goes, well, we need an apostle. Groundbreaking, doesn't care about existing structures, does not care about the order of what the world thinks. We're planting a church. This is the biblical model. This is what we're doing. The prophet steps in and goes, because God is calling us line in length. The, pro the prophet will speak about the destiny. The prophet will speak about the future. The prophet will speak about the hope. The prophet will, by the way, prophets are those that probably read the word more than teachers do. A prophet that is not saturated with the word of God will speak out of their own strength. Prophets need to be so saturated with the word that when they speak, they speak Jesus. Because a prophet can only speak what has been spoken. Jesus even said, I only say what I hear my father saying. The prophet should only be speaking what he has heard the word speaking. So you have the apostle, he steps in, the prophet comes and goes, this is what we're called to, this is what the word is speaking, this is, this is the destiny. Then you have the evangelist who comes and he gathers the people. Evangelists are gatherers. If you have your house populated with people most weekends, chances are you're an evangelist and you don't even know it. Well, I'm not evangelist. No, an evangelist is a gatherer. You invite people, you invite five people, 20 people rock up at your house. You don't even know how it happened. It's not the person shouting the gospel, it's the person loving people. 
So evangelist steps in. These are the parameters. The prophet calls out the future. The evangelist gathers the people. And then the evangelist gathers the people. This is the problem with the evangelist. I've got you. Get out my way. I need more people. I've got you. Get out the way. I need more people. The apostle's going, these are the parameters under which we will run this organization. And the prophet's going, you see how God calling us into that destiny. Get out my way. I'm calling. Because once you've got the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists that are set up, if you don't have effective shepherds to look after the people, what happens is your front door is as big as your back door. People come in. They love the parameters. They love the destiny that the church has been called into. They love that they've been saved. But if no one's loving them, they leave. So we have this church, defined parameters, call of God is clear. The evangelists are bringing them in. The shepherds are loving them. If we do not have competent teachers teaching them, because this is the Great Commission, it's not just making disciples, the Great Commission is teaching others to obey what I've taught you. If we don't have effective teachers speaking into the life of the church, saying, this is our doctrine. There's always this thing about the, the apostolic. You know, if you look at the, the fivefold gift, it's the, these are the, the, the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers and the thumb is the apostle. And the apostle touches all. The apostle has the grip. And we go, oh, but the pinky is just the teacher. No, the pinky adds stability and the pinky adds strength to the hand. If you open this pinky and you try to squeeze, there's no strength. You can have all the structure you want. If we do not have effective, competent teachers in the body of Christ, we will always build something slightly skew. So why do we have this? So that you can grow into the calling that God has for you. And guess what? It's not always going to be fun and easy. Because when you have an apostolic gift leading, he goes, what are you called to? What are you doing? Are you living out your destiny? Well, you know, pastor, I'm really not having a good day. I'm sorry to hear that. Are you working out the call that God has placed in your life? I'm going through a tough season. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing for Jesus? The prophet will spend time with you, and the prophet will go, God is calling into your destiny. God is speaking to you. God wants more from you. you go, yes, I'm going through a tough season. Yes, but look at what he's calling you into. Look at what. Oh, all right, that's not working. I'm going through a tough season. Will the evangelist please just help? Have you seen anyone saved? I'm in a tough season. Have you led anyone to Jesus? I'm in a tough season. Get someone saved. And you get to the shepherd. I'm in a tough season. No, come here. <laughs> I love you. But I'm also going to push you onto the teacher so that you can start living without being dependent on man and be dependent on the Holy Spirit who speaks to us through his word. We cannot be people that hang on people. I need a pastor that's going to love me. We love you dearly. These are the parameters. Are you walking out your call? Must I do the whole thing again because I can do it for weeks. I'm saying the church is strengthened and called into maturity. There are four things that the gift does. The first one is the fivefold gifts. It equips people to be impactful for God. Teaching and correcting you. You walk into church. 
I have a boo-boo. I have a problem. We will pray for you, and we will intercede for you, and we will love you, but we need to see you mobilized. We always have to go back to the prophetic word. We need to shift from being a, a cruise ship to a battleship. We need to see ourselves mobilized. That's what the fivefold gift in the church does. I need prayer for the sick. We are all called to pray for the sick. Labrador, it says in Scripture, the sick will call the elders. Elders will anoint with oil and the people will be healed. We're going to do that at the end of the meeting. But friends, we have to understand that the fivefold gift is here to see us grow and mature. To, second point, to build up the body of believers. The person you were when you got saved cannot be the same person you are now. When, you, when you're born again, you come as you are. And he takes you as you are. And then he pushes you into this. And you go, is church the perfect model? Yes. Are the people in the church perfect? Not at all. But he puts his perfection in us. All broken up into these different people that you see sitting next to you. And the strangest people will have the strangest gifting. And then he uses those people to build you up, to live out the Great Commission while adding value to others, but giving purpose to your life. If you want to grow in the apostolic, hang out with an apostle. If you want to grow in the prophetic, hang out with those that are prophesying. But I want to tell you something. You need to hang out with Jesus to be balanced. You cannot, you cannot come and hang out with me and become Derek. God help us. We only have one. We only need one. We can only accommodate one. Trust me. My family's exhausted. But we need you at your best. Hang out with people that will pull the best out of you. Not tell you that it's all going to be okay. Because friends, that's not the prophetic. The prophetic is not saying everything's going to be fine. The prophetic is calling what God has spoken out over your lives. So we use the scripture where the prophecy must be for building up and edifying and encouraging. And that's what the prophetic must be. But that is actually a counterbalance to what had happened in the church in Corinth where the prophetic had become very raw. Where people would look at each other and go, your life's screwed, you're going to die soon, all the best. <laughs> so they then say, share the prophetic in love and in building up. All right, same word. God is calling you that your destiny is going to be one of radical power and authority. But he's calling you to step out in faith. And what he's got for you is going to blow your mind, but he's with you every part of the way. One of the most prophetic gifts that I've ever encountered, uh, this lady sees titles, words, and pictures above people's heads. She is frighteningly accurate. I always used to warn my eldership team, guys, get your lives in order. <laughs> Chanel is on the way. <laughs> okay. And what would happen, and, and she would serve somewhere, dishing up scrambled egg at a pastor's breakfast and she would see over the pastor's head immorality. She would then go, so I just want to remind you that God's calling you to a life of purity and the relationship with your wife is something beautiful and you pursue that. It's taking the prophetic and filtering it through the filter of love but in truth. It's not, I sat the other day, I did this, I was going to do this and I, 
My family convinced me not to. But I was going to open fortune cookies here. Because I did the other day. I went for Chinese food. Everyone told me I must have Springfield cashew chicken. You were wrong. It was not good. It's not good. That stuff's bad. I traded that stuff in for burnt broccoli any day. Breadsticks. Breadsticks. So now they give me all these fortune cookies and I'm opening up. The one that we open, I don't believe it, I don't read it, not fortune, I'm, listen to me. But my daughter, I mean we're from South Africa if you didn't catch the accent. Uh, if you want me to be from Ireland or Australia, I can do that as well. But, so she opens up this fortune cookie, reads it. The journey, the long journey that you have taken will pay off in the end. Next one. The tough season that you have gone through will be worth it. I'm like, Jesus, are you working in this restaurant? <laughs> That's not the prophetic. It's hearing God so powerfully that in love and exhorting you, I'm going to speak the word of God over your life. Maturing us, point three, matures, maturing us into what we're called to. You're called, and I speak about destiny so often, but you're called into a ridiculous calling that you will never fulfill on your own without the fivefold gifts ministering into your life. You need somebody in your life that says to you, you're messing up, stop it. If everyone in your life is cheering you on and telling you that everything's great, you have a problem. You need people in your life, and they're difficult to find, but you need honest people in your life that when you do something, they go, that's unhealthy, that you can be completely transparent with, that you trust them not to gossip, but they can speak into situations. I have people in my life that can speak into, they know everything about me, they know my finances, they know my budget, they know what's happening in my, my life. I speak to them openly. I trust them. They're fivefold gifts that speak into my life so that I can grow in maturity. The fourth effect that the fivefold gifts have on the local body is that it allows us to be unified. It has an incredible unifying effect. When we submit under strong leadership, not perfect leadership, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as perfect leadership. As leaders, we're going to get it wrong, and then we're going to apologize, and we're going to do stuff, and we're going to be silly because we're human, but we operate in a team, and we discuss things as a team, as an eldership team, where we discuss things, and we're trusting that we're hearing God. But the purpose is that we can have a unifying effect that you can feel safe and confident that while you're part of this body, you're being brought through into maturity, that we have the prophets that are speaking into our lives. You need people that are prophetic speaking into your life. You need to be taught. Somebody must be teaching you. The teacher in the body of Christ is the most undervalued in any church. And I've mentioned this before, I get to travel. In every church that I go to, the teacher seems to be relegated and packed away somewhere else. It's like, okay, we'll bring them out when there's some heresy. No, we need the teachers out front saying, this is the word, this is what it is, not to entertain. This is what we believe. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, as soon as we find the book on how to make you comfortable, uh, we'll let you know. We just haven't found it yet. There's a reason why, I've said this before, why do we have the Holy Spirit as a comforter? Because it's going to get uncomfortable. If you don't have a teacher in your life, if you don't have somebody prophesying in your life, 
you don't have somebody correcting you, if you don't have somebody calling you back, my wife is amazing with this kind of thing. She'll say to me, are these our values? Is this what we do? Dads, do you have a set of values for your family that your family can call you back to and say, are these our values? That's the apostolic. The fivefold gifts, next week I'll spend time because every fivefold gift has a specific demon that attacks it. Now, I'll break that down in detail because every fivefold gift will have an element that the enemy uses to see them destroyed. But this morning, I want you to get this, that the fivefold gift is in the body of Christ to see you grow into full maturity. When I got saved, um, uh, the, the church that I went to, um, newly saved, I've just come out of a life of drugs and absolute chaos, and I knew I was called to lead a church. I knew I was called to, to do, I wanted, I wanted to lead a church. I knew I was called to the nations. So I went to one of the pastors in our church. I said, great, I'm called to lead a church. I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to go on missions. I'm called for so much more. Make it happen. He was stunned. He said, who are you? I said, do you need my credentials? Do you know what it is? My name? He says, who are I? I said, you're a leader. Lead me into my destiny. Because if you're not leading me into my destiny, get another job and get somebody who knows what they're doing to take yours. It's true. Us as church leaders, we need to work together. Not me hanging out with all of you. We need to be seeing our lives released. And these guys took me and they hammered me. For three, within three years, I was leading a church, from being newly saved to leading a church. Because I went to them and I gleaned everything I could. I studied everything I could. I read everything they told me to read. Every time they corrected me, I took their correction. Was some of it too harsh? Absolutely. Was I difficult? Absolutely. Was it always perfect unity? Definitely not. But they dragged whatever gold in me out of me while pushing everything else aside. You have to set your ego down. You have to set your agenda down and go, Lord God, lead me into the destiny that you've called me into. Use the fivefold gifts. So you might be sitting here this morning and you're going, Well, I really feel there's something prophetic that God's stirring in my life. You need to start partnering with the prophetic. If you feel there, and I've challenged some of you, and some of you haven't, you, you, you've mobilized. People have said, Well, I, I want to be an evangelist. I'm like, Okay, you go hang out with you and Friday night, you all go out there and do something. And there's things happening. And you don't even know about it, the rest of you. If God is growing the teaching gift in you, start hanging out with the teachers in the church. Find them. Ask me who they are. It, it was the cashew chicken comment. You're cut off. Which, which one was it? The cashew chicken. Cashew chicken is not from the Lord. No. This place could be... You want me to go back to cashew chicken? <laughs> Jesus was not there. That's why you come to church. You can get advice like that. Uh, so Springfield's known for cashew chicken. Dayspring needs to be known for their gifts. Not a weirdness. Not us. You want to go and teach and you go hang out with them. 
You want to grow in the apostolic, that's the church you go to. You want to be raised up as an evangelist, no better breeding ground than that. We don't have to be the cool church. That'll come naturally. We don't have to be the most vibrant, the most pumping. We need to be the most authentic, led by Jesus Christ himself, allowing the fivefold gifts to challenge us, to lead us, to push us into areas that we're very uncomfortable with. Um, so one of the things that we're going to be rolling out, uh, we'll have a definite date, is we're going to be doing a Bible school kind of thing on a Sunday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. And we're going to have the teachers in this house teaching basic biblical foundations. And I want to encourage every one of you to attend it. You think, well, I've been saved for 20 years. Sir, don't tell me how long you've been saved. Tell me what fruit you've borne in the last six months. Because I know a lot of old bonsai trees that I've used to no man or beast. Just kept our leaves neat. We've kept everything polite. I've been a Christian for 20 years and I've done nothing. Then I know some folk, three months in, born again, on fire, just doing the most ridiculous stuff for Jesus. We want to see the teachers released in this house so that we can see every person grow into full maturity to see his kingdom come in our lives, in our families. We're going to see outreaches. Not to Africa. Africa sent me to you. Okay, we've sent a team to Africa and, you know, the, the guys are flying right now. They're in the air now. Uh, uh, Phil and Nate and the team, a whole lot of guys are they're off to Africa and we bless them. But you're here, called for here, do your job here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, for Jesus. Thank you for the perfection that he is. And thank you that he leads us to grow in maturity, that he leads us to grow in unity. And he leads us to grow and fulfill the mandate, our destiny. Lord, I pray over every single person who's listening to this message here in this sanctuary and those joining us online. Lord, that we will hear what it is that you're calling us into. Lord, we, there are prophets in the room that are reluctant because the prophetic has hurt them or they've, they've been scared or something has happened. I speak healing over the prophetic in Dayspring Church. Where the prophetic has been diluted down to wishful thinking. Lord, I pray for a powerful move of the prophetic in this church. Where the prophets rise up and they speak the word of God with accuracy, with conviction. Lord God, we hold ourselves accountable to you that when we speak, we stand before you when we speak. That our words will be weighty and serious when it comes to these matters. Lord, I want to take this opportunity. Wherever frivolous prophetic words have been spoken that have misled people, we dust that off now in Jesus' name. But where there have been prophetic words spoken with accuracy and they've been rejected, I pray, Lord God, remind us of those words. Remind us of those words. Lord, I pray over every person here that has an apostolic gifting, that's been called into business, that has been called into pioneering. Lord, I pray, awaken that pioneering spirit in them once again, where they've perhaps become complacent or comfortable or lazy. Pray, awaken that. Lord, shake the evangelists in the room. Shake the evangelists. Reawaken them. Reawaken that fire. 
where they cannot help themselves, but something has dampened them. A word over them has dampened them. A reference about them has dampened their spirit. I speak over the evangelist in the room. It's time to pick up that mantle again and run. I speak over the shepherds this morning. And I feel that for the shepherds, too often shepherds isolate themselves. And they've carried burdens that are not theirs to burden. You are not the great shepherd, ma'am. You're not the great shepherd, sir. Jesus is. When I speak over you this morning that burdens that people share with you, you will take to heart, but you will release it at the same time. You will not carry burdens that are not yours. I speak of freedom over the shepherds in the house this morning. Freedom to love without being hurt. Freedom to care for others without drowning. And then, Lord, I pray over the teachers in this room. They will not teach based according to what they know. They will teach based on who they're engaging with you, King Jesus. That there will be not new revelation, but fresh revelation of what it is that you're calling them into. Lord, may Dayspring be known as a place where the word is spoken in truth, where the prophetic is spoken with accuracy and clarity and love. People are released into ministry. Will you call us into our destiny? You've given us this gift, these gifts, Lord God. We don't want to waste any of them. Just while eyes are closed this morning as I've been praying for you, perhaps you're sitting here and you've never given your life to Jesus, then all of this actually doesn't make any sense to you and it doesn't matter. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, you may have grown up in church. Church might have been a thing you've done every single Sunday for the last 30 years, but you've never given your life. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to make this opportunity available to you. I will not embarrass you in any way. I will ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. But if you're sitting here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, you can raise your hand so that I can pray with you. I'm not going to linger in this moment. You know if you've never given your life to Christ, now's the time. I don't see any hands. If you've raised your hand, you're going to have to wave it again. I haven't seen any hands this morning. I'm fine as long as you know that you're fine with Jesus. So part of what we do at Dayspring Church is we remind ourselves about the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gift that he gave us. As I've spoken about the gifts that he's given us, we remind ourselves every single Sunday by breaking bread together and having communion together. The only prerequisite for you to break bread with us as a body is that you're a child of God. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to attend Dayspring regularly. But this morning, I'd like to invite all of you to stand with me, please. And we have communion tables set up. We have two in the back and two in front. And if you can make your way down there now and grab one of the little cups of juice and uh, one of the little rice wafers, then they make your way back to your seats. We're going to have communion together. Yeah. Uh, this is semi-ceremonial, but not sad. Greet each other. Smile at each other.
All right, if, so while you're grabbing the juice and the wafer, do you know that in Scripture it speaks about that by His stripes we are healed? Amen. You with me? All right, we're trying to focus on that messing juice on the carpet while walking in an orderly fashion. I understand that. It's a challenge. I'm going to make a statement. If you agree with me, you say amen. If you don't agree with me, you come and you repent and you fall on your knees in front of me. The Word of God says that by His stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. All right. This morning I've asked Marlene to share a testimony, or two, or however many she wants to share. And then we're going to have communion, and then we're going to pray for the sick this morning. And we're going to trust God for incredible healing, and for Him to... We, this, it's been prophesied that this, this house will be a house of healing. Not next month, not next year, now. So please, Marlene, share this. Praise the Lord. Isn't he amazing? In the last week, I got three testimonies in two days on my phone. People that don't like phones, I, I, you're wrong. <laughs> There's something amazing about getting testimonies on your phone. But I was driving back from getting plants, and two of these came from El Dorado Springs, so we're not very far away. Pastor Brent is in his 60s. He also, him and his family own the mortuary in El Dorado Springs. And he had been preaching at this church a little bit, but he hadn't been called to be the pastor yet. But he got diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. But he no longer has terminal liver cancer. His numbers are so small now. He's, I mean, he's living. He's thriving. He, I don't even know how to explain it. In the same church, there's an elderly man that was dying that is now thriving. I mean, his family had made her. I mean, it's, it's just, oh, I mean, he's thriving. And then in this last month, there's a man that's in his 50s that had um, bladder cancer. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my words. That is totally not now, no longer losing his bladder. Absolutely nothing. No residual effects. Everything's gone. Everything's totally, I mean, God is so amazing. And then I got a text from people in Detroit where I was at. And a lady that had cancer in, in several spots, gone. Now, all, all of these... I, don't, I, I want you to know this. All of these people did treatment. I'm not telling you to do treatment or not to do treatment. But I'm telling you that if you do treatment, don't expect the results that they're telling you that the treatment is going to bring you. <laughs> expect God to do more. And as we take this communion... Realize what's in it. There's life in this thing. And it changes all of us. And the reason he heals is so all men may know that he has power on the earth to forgive sin. That's so good. If you knew Marlene's testimony, you'd understand why she's as excited as she is. So, 
let's do the ceremonial. Lord Jesus, we eat this and remember your body that is broken for us. Your body broken so that ours can be made whole. Allow me to set some theology for you. What could one bite do? What could one bite do? Yeah, it's almost now. One bite is what set us out from the garden into a fallen world. It's one bite of Jesus. One bite of the bread of life restores health, restores life, restores. As we drink this juice, it represents the blood of Jesus. Our sins are washed away. I stand confidently before the throne of God and I get to make my, my petitions known. So we thank you for the blood that was shed, Jesus, your sacrifice that was made so that I can be called a son of God. Lord, we claim the blood of Jesus over our lives now. We speak the blood of Jesus over our lives. If, if I can ask you, we don't want to draw this out, but it's significant. We have the testimonies of cancers being healed. We claim the healing that the blood and the body bring. If you're suffering from cancer or you have a family member that has cancer and you're trusting for healing, can I ask you to come to the front really quickly? You'll just come. Don't be shy. We're not going to ask you tricky questions. We're not going to embarrass you. I know in scripture it references and it speaks about when Jesus says, your faith has made you well. I also love praying for people that don't have faith and I remind them about Lazarus. And Lazarus had no faith when he was raised from the dead. Let's come forward, guys. Let's come forward. Okay, elders. Elders. Let's quickly come lay hands. We're just going to speak a healing power to be released now in Jesus' name. Healing power in Jesus' name. We claim the power of the testament. Can I ask you just to stand in agreement with us? Just extend your hand forward as a sign of faith. And we just say, Lord God, cancer to die and bodies to be made whole. Every cancerous cell to shrivel up, to shrink and to die in Jesus' name. And we rest on the reports of healings to come. Supernatural healing in Jesus' name. Wholeness and newness. Healing over bodies. We do not come as beggars. We claim life in Jesus' name. We claim life in Jesus' name. Lumps and tumors, cancerous cells in any form, to diminish right down to nothing, to dissolve completely. In Jesus' name. Release in Jesus' name. Release in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 